0: Hello everyone and welcome to A Millennial Learns. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. It's a little bit different of an episode. Usually I choose a topic and research it and kind of report back to you all about what I learned. But this week I just want to talk a little bit about my birth story because if you are an avid listener of the podcast, you may uh, see that I took a few weeks off, took like three weeks off from the pod. That was not really the plan. I had researched a lot of podcast topics before I left and meant to, you know, record them all and release them and schedule them and stuff like that. But it just didn't didn't happen. I had them researched and didn't record. So I have quite the backlog of things researched and those will be coming out over the next couple weeks. But Um, we had a son in the meantime in those three weeks. So it has been quite the ride of, you know, birth, postpartum, the whole recovery. So I just wanted to do a quick little life update, check in and talk about how the birth went down, how I'm recovering, all that sort of thing. So a little bit different of an episode, but I think it'll be really fun. Thank you all so much for being here and tuning in and let's just get right into it. Okay, so I did a little outline of the whole order of events of how everything went down with the birth. I swore I would not be the person that had a false alarm and we totally did. We went into the hospital and they sent us home. So let's start there and, you know, we'll just go from there. But basically, I was so embarrassed that I had a false alarm and so disappointed. But anyway, okay. So for starters, my due date was June 7th. So it was like a Wednesday, um, June 7th. Sunday on June 4th, I started having what I thought were contractions. So when I had gone in uh, to my doctor's appointment the previous Friday, I had been like a little bit over a centimeter dilated. And so they were like, okay, you know, it could start anytime and just be aware of contractions. And, you know, when they're five minutes apart, lasting for one minute, for one hour, the 511 rule, come into the hospital. And that's like how you'll tell you're in active labor, basically. So on Sunday night, on June 4th, I started having contractions. They weren't very strong at all, they were like just basically cramps. But I had had some Braxton Hicks before and Braxton Hicks felt like my whole stomach was tightening where these felt like they were lower and they were more crampy. So I was like, okay, I think these are kind of the start of contractions are really not very strong, but I should start kind of timing them and see how frequent they are and how long they're lasting and stuff like that. So at first they were short, they were like 20, 30 seconds and they were like 20 minutes apart. And eventually through the night, I don't know if it was like a mental thing or they really did just start kind of picking up a little bit more. But as I was like laying there through the night, because I think they started at like four or 5 p.m. As we got to like midnight, 1 a.m., I was laying in bed and I, they got stronger Or, or they didn't, sorry, they didn't get stronger. They got more frequent. So they started picking up frequency, picking up frequency. They eventually ended up being like five minutes apart, lasting for about a minute, but they weren't strong. Like I could definitely talk through them. They were just like minorly uncomfortable. But the rule that they told me was five minutes apart, lasting a minute for one hour. And they were doing that, it seemed, by like around 1230, 1 a.m., so I called my doctor that night, which is now like June 5th at very early in the morning. I called the doctor and I basically said like, this is what's happening. I'm pretty sure I told them that it, they weren't very strong, but I can't be certain of that. I kind of forget if I told them that, but I basically said like, I don't know. They're they're not very painful, but they do seem like the timing is correct or is... um." Yeah, like five minutes apart, lasting a minute, stuff like that. And I was like, I also don't know if, you know, like my amniotic fluid is leaking. I heard that was like a thing. And so anyway, there was just a lot going on. And so she's like, hey, okay, come in and we'll basically see you at the hospital. So we go into the ER because it's after hours. We were driving there at like one thirty a.m. We get there probably at 2. And, um... I walk in and we go to labor and delivery and he, this guy, one of the nurses there is like, okay, let's head to labor and delivery. Here's a wheelchair for you. And I was like, I am not even near the point where I would need a wheelchair. And at that point I was like starting to feel kind of embarrassed that we had gone in because when I was walking around and stuff, they would be at like five minutes apart. But when I was, um, sitting there like in the car they all of a sudden started being really sporadic these contractions i was having were really sporadic they were like every 10 minutes every you know 12 minutes and so i was like oh geez i think this might be kind of a false alarm but anyway we persisted so i went up and i was basically like yeah they're not very strong but i they were happening like every five minutes now though in the car they're not happening as often so they basically said like, yeah, you're probably not in active labor. You could stay here for another two hours and check and see if you like get dilated anymore. And we can check and see if you're in active labor, but we don't really think you are. And they tested my amniotic fluid and it was not leaking or anything. So, um, basically they're just like, yeah, we can, you're probably free to get discharged, which they told Bella, like, or they told, um, you know, my clinic, they called the person on call and told them all that. And they said, yeah, you're fine to send her home. We don't think she's in active labor, which pretty much I had told them the exact same information on the phone before And they told me to come in. So I was a little bit <laughs> upset, but I guess, I guess if they wanted to check like that, my water didn't uh broke or something, then that could have tipped it for me being admitted. So either way, um, So we decided, like, I don't want to stay here if we don't think I'm an active laborer. At this point, my contractions were very sporadic. I was like, this is great. They were definitely happening every five minutes before. Um, But it took a little bit for them to, like, get all the discharge paperwork working and all that. So we ended up leaving around 4 o'clock, I think, a.m. and getting back home at, like, 4.30 and just slept, you know, Till probably like eight or nine and and logged into work the next day and I was like disappointed and again kind of embarrassed that I was like well I thought that they were happening you know I thought contractions were happening I felt like very much like I was second-guessing everything and I was like kind of bitter because no one told me that I was supposed to not be able to really talk through the contractions like everyone told me the timing rule and it seemed like the timing was getting hit but not um, like that they would be strong. I figured, oh, well, if the timing's right, maybe my contractions are just starting out very, you know, mild and then they'll really pick up. But if the timing is like that, then, you know, we should be heading in. Anyway, so we went through all of Monday and I was like, ugh, this sucks. I can't believe it was a false alarm. That's just really annoying. Okay, so then that night, uh, on June 5th, I was going to bed and I just, I don't know, you know when you kind of don't want tomorrow to (laughs) happen yet, like I didn't want to go to work tomorrow, so I just kind of stayed up way too late on my phone in order to, I don't know, I think that's like a, (laughs) I've seen something on Instagram about how people do that to like try to have some control <laughs> over like their next day. If you, you know, don't want to go to work or you're kind of dreading the next day, people stay up like way too late and it ends up being a little bit self-sabotage because then you're tired the next day, but basically you want to have like a couple hours to yourself at night. Anyway, so I was doing that because I didn't want to go to work tomorrow and I was like kind of annoyed that I had gone into the hospital, you know, with it being nothing. So I was just on my phone and I was on my phone till about twelve thirty a m so at that point it's June sixth Tuesday, but like very early in the morning, and I started having these contractions again. I was like, "Ugh, okay, well, this time they're a little bit stronger, and I did not sleep the entire night. It's like the only all nighter I've pulled it's probably like the realistically it's probably like the third all nighter I've ever pulled in my life, and they started getting stronger and stronger and they were timed again. They were getting closer together. So they started out like 20 minutes apart, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. It's like basically the whole thing that had happened the night before, except they were stronger this time. Like I really was having, um, just trouble like sleep. like I, I felt like I wouldn't be able to sleep through them. Some of them got r- pretty strong. I mean, now that I know what the peak level of contractions are, never would I <laughs> describe those as super strong, but they were definitely stronger than the night before. So I didn't want to have the false alarm of like going in at 1:30 again. so I just like stayed up, let my husband sleep, and started tracking them. So we get to like 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. They're starting to happen every like five to seven minutes apart. And they're lasting for probably like 45 seconds. So we're getting close. And I called my doctor and I was like, listen, I don't want to come in for another false alarm again. This is what's happening. They're kind of like staying stagnant at like five to seven minutes. And they're like 45 seconds apart. Do you think I should come in? They're pretty strong. Like I'm having a lot of pain now. And she basically said, you know, if you want to kind of avoid another false alarm, let's just wait it out until they're for sure, like consistently five minutes apart and, you know, are lasting a minute. Well, they ended up kind of, all my contractions started like, it just hung out at like five to seven minutes at 45 seconds for hours and hours and hours. We were going to head in at like 7 a.m., but then... I was like, oh, they're still not really as consistent as we want. Like sometimes it would be nine minutes, sometimes it would be seven minutes. But most of the time it would be five minutes. And they got to the point where most of the time it would be five minutes apart lasting a minute. And then we would get to the part where it's like it has to last an hour that way. And it just would be kind of still sporadic. Like at 30 minutes, there would be like a 12 minute gap between them or something. So it was just really weird. Like it didn't steadily kind of progress. It was just like, you know, I felt kind of stagnant, but I was still having these contractions. So we waited until like 11 AM and I was like, I think it's time to go. I was able to take like a quick nap at I think nine. And because again, they were kind of slowing down. Like my contractions started kind of slowing down and I was able to take a nap. Um, but then I woke up and when I started walking around, they would be five minutes apart and they'd be pretty painful. But then when I sat down, I wouldn't get some for like a long time. So it was very odd, but we decided to go in at like 11. And honestly, that was probably too early. And my husband was also saying like, I think this is too early. We should probably wait. But I didn't know a ton like you know, it's your first kid. You don't know what it really feels like. I was like, maybe I'm just handling these contractions pretty well. And these are like real contractions. And I don't know why it's kind of stopping and starting and whatever. But anyway, so uh, we started to go into the hospital. It's like 30 minutes away. I was having contractions, but again, they would start slowing down once I was sitting. So I had, like, in the car, they were spaced out like 12, 13 minutes. And I was like, oh gosh, if we have another false alarm, that would suck. So we go up, we get, like, admitted again. Now I'm having, you know, more painful contractions, but they're having me, like, sit there in this bed. And so I'm like, well, now I'm not having that many. And I don't know why this keeps stopping and starting. Anyway, so they take my blood pressure and my blood pressure is too high. It's honestly, it didn't even seem that high, but they were like, Oh, this is a kind of medium risk blood pressure. We think we're going to have to admit you because you have gestational hypertension. So we're going to admit you anyway, because your blood pressure is too high, even though your contractions are kind of stalling like right now. So, Then, my nurse, who I really liked, she was like, Do you want to stay today, basically, and like have a baby? And I was like, Yeah, I don't want to go home again. I really want to be admitted and have a baby. And she's like, Okay, like, I think we can, I can kind of help advocate for you for that. And we can get this kind of moving since you're having contractions. So it was interesting because. Literally, like, as soon as I would stand up, bounce on the ball, or, like, walk around or anything, my contractions would be really consistent and painful. As soon as I sat down, they wouldn't be. So I basically told them that. They're like, okay, you can start standing. And so I was standing a little bit. They tried to get me a mobile monitor so I could walk around the grounds and and things, Um, which it didn't end up working. Like, it wasn't reading any of the baby's heart rate or anything. So I just like stayed right by the bed, standing up, rocking, walking a little bit and bouncing on this ball to try to get like contractions going. So at some point they came in and they're like, hey, we should give you a little bit of Pitocin to get this kind of moving because if you do have gestational hypertension, it's safer to like have a quicker labor, like you want to start really getting into, into labor here. Also, the contractions monitor wasn't, like, picking up on some of my contractions, apparently. Um, so, anyway, they started giving me Pitocin. Now, at this point in the labor, I wanted to have... Um, well, I was toying with the idea, I should say, of a natural birth or, like, a unmedicated birth. I was like, I would love to do an unmedicated birth if possible, but... I'm not really that opposed to if I need an epidural, which in the back of my mind, I knew if I gave myself that option, I would be getting the epidural. It's just that I was a little bit nervous about how my body would react to an epidural. I'm not usually that good with like medicine or drugs like that. Like when I got my wisdom teeth out, I had, you know, painkillers afterwards and I was just barf and was super dizzy. I kind of panic when I'm not like in control of, my body like that. Like, I don't know. So I thought that, you know, not being able to move my legs or not being able to walk would just be panic inducing. So I didn't really want the epidural. And I was like, let's just see how bad these contractions are. And maybe I can really focus and have a natural unmedicated birth. Well, that was not going to happen because as soon as they gave me the Pitocin and these contractions really started picking up, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so painful. The nurse was really great in trying to encourage me to like, you know, coach me through the contractions and she's like, stay ahead of them and relax and do these cleansing breaths and things. And, you know, she, I was like, I think I might want an epidural. And she's like, don't give up on your dream of like this unmedicated birth. And I was kind of like, well, it was just a, it was just the, a loosely held dream. Like I really, I don't care that much. But we were nearing five o'clock PM and I was on Pitocin and they put me in this like throne position on the bed. So hopefully gravity would help me dilate more. And we were like fully kind of inducing my labor at this point. And that nurse who was really encouraging me to try to do the all natural like unmedicated birth, she was shift changing at 5pm. So I waited, you know, she checked on me at like 430. And then I knew they were going to do the shift change at five. And I was like, these are getting so painful. And I am, I am not having a good time here. I think I want the epidural. And I was going to try to wait till after she was gone on the shift change. Before I called in the epidural. I was just like, I don't really want to deal with it. She wasn't shaming me about the epidural, but I could tell she was like, okay, come on, you can do the natural. And so I was like, okay, I'll just wait till she leaves and then I'll get the epidural. So I waited till 530. No one had come in the room yet, but I was getting like desperate to not have these contractions happening anymore. So I was like, okay. I finally just p- kind of panic called the nurse's call button. and was like, hi, like, I need an epidural. I think I want the epidural. And she immediately came in that same nurse with the new nurse who was doing the shift change. They both walked in and, uh, and, and the lady was like, okay, so you want an epidural? And I was like, oh geez, sorry. I feel like, I felt like I was letting her down, but she took it fine. She was like, okay, that's great. Totally, totally fine. Epidural is great. Whatever let's have you get through a full bag of these IVs, uh, IV fluids. So like just a a big bag of water uh, before we call in the anesthesiologist to do your epidural. Then she pulled out the freaking biggest bag, like biggest IV bag ever. She's like, this will take about a half an hour to get through. Well, meanwhile, I'm having contractions like every two and a half, three minutes and they're freaking painful. I was like, are you kidding me? I would have called 30 minutes before if I knew I had to get through this whole bag of liquids before we called in the anesthesiologist. It was, it was not, not the best. So I lasted another half hour. Like I did not have a choice really, but we got through the bag of of fluids. It was starting to get really, really painful. They had upped my dose of Pitocin, like upped and upped and upped it. And so things were getting really painful, but we eventually got to the anesthesiologist coming in at about 6.15 probably. So like another 45 minutes after I called for the epidural is when he actually came in to do it. And I don't know what happened with the epidural because a lot of people say, you know, there's just like one little poke and it was, that was the painful part. And then they did the epidural and it was fine the worst part was like trying to stay still through their contractions well um the the epidural honestly getting placed was the worst part of my entire experience it was so terrible they're like this guy's the quickest ever like he it's gonna be great he's the quickest guy and I'm pretty sure he didn't wait till anything was numb he poked my back and I was like oh that yeah that definitely hurt and he's like, okay, there's the pinch. I'm pretty sure something didn't numb correctly. And he started just jabbing things in my back. It felt like there were 10 things that he was getting poked in my back with. I felt like the medicine start going up my spinal cord, like, which freaked me out because it was going up, not down. I was blubbering, like sobbing um, at the pain of the epidural. I don't know... I'm not sure what happened because none of my friends have had this experience with their epidural. They had like a little poke. It was numb and it maybe took a while or they had to sit still through a contraction. But it was like not bad. That's what I was expecting. I literally couldn't hold back tears, like blubbering. The nurse was holding my hand. Jason was right there just like, I mean, there's nothing he can do really. So he was just kind of... I don't know, just feeling bad for me basically. Um it was awful. And then the nurse kept going, Oh, you did great, you did great and I was like, objectively, I did not do great on that. And I don't know what happened. I- I'm I feel like I'm sure they've seen it before. But it was just awful. Something did not did not happen right. But I am thankful because the epidural did work. My legs started going numb and you know, it was all fine. I felt a thousand times better after the epidural and I'm so glad I didn't have to do it unmedicated. So overall, it's still worth getting the epidural. I'd rather endure that pain, but it was the worst. That was the worst part of the, honestly, of the whole thing. So, okay. So then we're nearing nighttime. They're like, okay, great. We can just have you labor through the night. We'll like turn you from side to side because, you know, the epidural medicine, like travels kind of, it'll like sink basically to whatever side you're laying on. So they kind of rotate you from side to side. Um, I didn't react very well to the epidural. I kind of had the same reaction that I thought I would have where I panicked a little bit that I couldn't move my legs very much. I felt all kind of just weird. I threw up once. I think that was at night. I threw up And so I just, my body doesn't react to medicines like this, but again, it was better than feeling the contractions. I was like, I don't really care that much. Um, I'll take some throw up and some subpar feelings over those contractions. So I basically labored throughout the night. They just would rotate me. We were both able to get a lot of good sleep. I can fall asleep within like 10 seconds of them waking me up. So they would come in the room, rotate me. I'd fall right back asleep, um... And we just did that all night. So by the 5 a.m. shift change, I was uh, in the morning the next day, so June 7th, I was basically fully dilated. Um, well, I wasn't basically fully dilated. I was fully dilated. And they were just waiting for me to like labor a little bit more to bring him down more so I didn't have to push for so long. But they're like, yeah, he is really big. So we're going to have you just labor down a little bit and, uh, we'll do the shift change. And then this, with this fresh new set of nurses, then we'll start to push. So the new nurses came in. Um, oh, and by the way, my water broke at like two thirty AM the night before. So, or that morning, I guess, technically. So, you know, everything was progressing as, as expected, essentially. So they do the shift change. They come in, they, you know, tell us, tell me what's all happening. Like, we're just going to wait a little bit. And once you start to feel like a lot of pressure, we will have you start, start pushing. So this nurse comes in, we start doing like practice pushes and stuff. And it was, I mean, I really, really liked these nurses that we had. So she did some practice pushes with me and it was great. Then my doctor came in from my clinic because they like have a partner thing with the hospital, I I think. And she really started like coaching me like, go, go, go. Like I felt like I was back in my athlete days where she was like still doing practice pushes, but she's like, okay, you know, like direct your energy kind of here. And uh, I don't know, she was like really coaching me on fired up, like really kind of yelling and that's the kind of motivation i like so i was like okay this is this is going well then there was this other doctor like this old school doctor from the hospital who would come in and help me to practice pushes also and he was just the best he was like 60 years old and just just great like very comforting presence but like very good at explaining how you should push and stuff like i don't know how to describe that but basically he helped a ton so he would just drop in give me some tips, leave. We were pushing, pushing, pushing. So I started pushing at probably like seven, no, it was 6.30 AM. Just the practice pushes and stuff. Well, by like eight, we were pushing, hadn't made much progress, but they're like, Hey, let's just take a break for like 30 minutes because we can just let everything kind of stretch down there. He's really low. Um, but it's not really worth pushing this whole time. Let's just have you lay here. We'll just settle for a second, take a 30-minute break and we'll get back to it. So we rested 30 minutes, you know, came in, started pushing again. Okay. Well, that's going on probably pushing for like I don't I don't know. Time is kind of a blur, but 45 minutes more or something and my doctor from my clinic said, "Okay, you haven't, at one point I was like, have we made any progress? Because they were having me switch positions on the bed. Like at this point I could feel pretty much everything in my legs, except for sharp pain. Like I could move my legs. I could feel all the pressure. Um, you know, so they were having me try like all these different positions of pushing and, you know, I was pushing for a long time, probably till like nine, 45, I want to say. So I'm pushing, I'm doing all this stuff with these nurses in the room. And at one point I was like, are we getting close? Like, is he, am I making any progress here? And she looked and she's like, uh, I don't, I don't think there's that much progress. Like we might need to do a C-section because he's just so big. Like his head is not getting under your pubic bone. His head's really big. And so we may just need a C-section here. But before we make that call, I want to go over and, and, um, consult and call in that other doctor and have him get a second opinion because he's like very experienced doctor. He's amazing. They were all having rave reviews about him. And so, you know, she wanted to get a second opinion before she called a C-section. So he comes in and he, you know, feels around in there. It's it's crazy what birth like entails, how, you know, just, okay. At the beginning I was like shy about like anyone seeing anything. I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm covering up by the end. You're just like, get this baby out. And everyone's seeing everything. Like people are walking in your room. You're like fully just spread Eagle. Like it's crazy what, what ends up happening. And you're just like, I, I do not care. Like if you're in enough pain, you don't care what anyone sees. So anyway, the, uh, the doctor comes in, he checks me, and he's like, no, I, I, I think, well, at this point I was basically like, I don't care, let's just do a C-section because I'm exhausted. I started to feel like a ton of pressure every time, like it was really actually uncomfortable um, how much pressure I was feeling, but I didn't want to take like another hit of the epidural because they gave me like a button that I could uh, get more drips of the epidural, but when I did that, I would barf. I only did it one time and I threw up. Um, oh, and by the way, when I was pushing, I started throwing up too. It, that was a whole a whole thing. I was it was not a very glamorous <laughs> birth. So, anyway, um, I'm starting to get really uncomfortable. I've been pushing for like three hours. I'm over it. I'm I'm just turning to Jason like, just it's fine. Let's just do an, a C-section. I don't even care at this point. I would just like him to be born. I think I held my composure pretty well, but kind of to Jason, I was like just, I'm, I'm over it. You know, like to, I, I didn't say that really to any of the doctors. I don't think, I think I kept my cool, but to Jason, I kind of let it slide where I was like, okay, just let's just get this going. But the doctor came in and checked me and he's like, no, I actually, I think we're fine. He is very for like vaginal births and tries to avoid C-sections really at all costs. And he's like, listen, I think we can do this if we try to vacuum. Well, okay, so at all, they were measuring the baby was measuring so big at my 36 week appointment that they were worried a little bit about shoulder dystocia, which is when their shoulder gets stuck on your pubic bone and can't get out. So they brought we're going to bring in a whole shoulder dystocia team, which is like an extra set of nurses where if his shoulder got stuck They would lay me back down really flat and push on your stomach as hard as they can, basically, to try to dislodge the shoulder. So that, like, was already a possibility. And this doctor said, okay, he checked me and he's like, listen, if we do a C-section right now, he's already so far down that we'd have to, like, suction him back out. It would be hard to do a C-section either way because he's, like, so far in the birth canal. Um, If we do a vacuum or, like, forceps or anything... Basically, you could vacuum them and cause shoulder dystocia by pulling them out at the wrong angle, essentially. But he was checking around in there and he's like, no, I think we can, we can get his head under the pubic bone and we can do this naturally. So that gave me like a whole second wind because I was so ready to call him. He's like, no, we, we can do this. Like, you don't need a C-section. You got it. So they call in the whole team well, we do some more, more pushes, I think. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're good. We can, we can do this. So I start pushing more, 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 like we're pushing three pushes every contraction that I have. And we're getting closer. He's like in there adjusting his head, turning his head, um, like the baby's head to try to get it under my pubic bone. And all of a sudden I see you know, the nurses all come in, they're wheeling like the whole cart of all these medical tools and stuff. And I was like, Oh, geez, we're getting really, really close to it happening. So we had had these controlled like pushes, okay, push three times, like, take you know, push for 10 seconds, take a deep breath, push for 10 seconds, take a deep breath, push for 10 seconds. That's like one contraction. That's what would happen each contraction. So we're doing that. He's like, oh my gosh, it is so close. Like you can feel, like you can see his head. You're right there. And then it was this crazy intense, like 10, I want to say it was like 10 minutes of like seven nurses in the room, I want to say. And my husband, all just being like, okay, push, 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 like yelling. Like I felt like I was back in like my competitive tennis days where my coaches would just like yell at me and I was like just you know really having to work hard so instead of just doing three pushes per contraction basically it was like 10 minutes straight of me pushing it felt like 10 minutes maybe it was like five but like go 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 so I would literally just like push as hard as I could for over 10 seconds take a deep breath push more take a deep breath push more like there was no real breaks because his head was like right there they're like you gotta like keep pushing, keep pushing and, and get them out. So it was the most intense thing. I don't even think I'm, I can describe it well. I'm not doing a very good job of describing it, but there were like seven people going, go, 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 push, push, push for like five, seven or 10 minutes. I don't even know. It was the most intense thing of my life. I feel like, and because the epidural was at a weird dose or something i could feel everything i could feel all the sensations of everything i just couldn't feel any sharp pain so it was kind of interesting and it made it easier to to push so yeah eventually like his head came out they were um it, which was like great then they're like, okay, you got to get his shoulders out. They knew that it wasn't shoulder dystocia. It it took a little bit for his shoulders to actually get out, but they assured me like right away, nope, it's not like his shoulders not stuck on the pubic bone. Like he's good. He's just, you just got to push his shoulder out. Like, so, um, this doctor did a really, really good job of like ensuring me that it was not this shoulder dystocia that we were worried about, that that was not going to be a complication. Um, but then, yeah, I just kept pushing for a few more minutes, his shoulders came out, and then eventually just like one last push, he just the rest of his body just came flying out. Um, And it was crazy. So best feeling of my life, I was so relieved that he was out, born, didn't need a C-section. And it wasn't until really after the birth that I was like, I realized how grateful I was to not have a C-section. A lot of my friends have had one, And they seem to recover okay, but like obviously I'm not in the thick of their recovery with them. I can't imagine recovering from a C section. You know, well, I mean, I I guess I can imagine it. People do it, but I'm so thankful that I didn't have to, that I could be up on my feet and uh, holding the baby and lifting some things. And I'm just so grateful to that doctor for not making me have a C-section and for just pushing and saying like, No, I think I think you're fine. They said, Thank God that this doctor was on call because like ninety percent of doctors would have just called a C-section at that point, but not this doctor. And I'm very, very grateful for that. So they let us do the hour of like skin to skin, you know, the golden hour and stuff. Then they took him and weighed him and measured him. He was twenty-one and a half inches long and eight pounds fifteen ounces. So he was a hefty boy. His head was like the 99th percentile uh, in measurement. So um, yeah, he was big. And that's why they had like the shoulder dystocia team on hand. But he was all perfect. They're like, in case he didn't count yet, he has 10 fingers, 10 toes. He's perfect. And um, yeah, so we did like the golden skin to skin hour. And then, you know, they stopped the epidural. They cleaned me all up. Um, and we started, you know, kind of recovering together. They transferred us to the postpartum, like, family floor. So, I think I wanted to talk next week about like my postpartum progress and journey, if you will. Um, but that was the birth story. It was honestly like, I don't think I did a great job of explaining how intense it was because. I don't know, just like the whole pushing thing. Maybe every birth is just super intense, but it just felt like I was in the heat of a battle. Like I was competing in the a huge sport. Like I was really to the edge of my limits. I had been pushing for like three hours and it was just like, go, go, go at the end. It was so intense and crazy. But he arrived all safely, beautifully. He is perfect and... I'm just very, very grateful for how the birth all happened. And he was born on his due date of June 7th. So only 4% of babies, I guess, are born on their due date. And he is is one of them. So it ended up being amazing. And, um, you know, the postpartum was interesting. But again, we'll talk about that next week. And um, I think that's all for the birth story. Let me know if you have any questions in the like spotify question box i'll i'll open that up um so we can chat about that next week as well if there's any questions so anyway i think that is all for today's episode trying to think of any other things that happened well if i think of any i will update you on next week's episode during the postpartum Um, episode and we can revisit any of these birth things that I forgot. So thank you all so much for listening. Make sure to drop any questions in the question box and I will see you next week for another episode. Bye everyone.